Hello and welcome to the Swan Song Project podcast. My name is Ben Buddy Slack and I'm the founder of the Swan Song Project. Swan Song Project is a charity and we help people who are facing the end of their lives or dealing with bereavement to write and record an original song. We believe in celebrating lives, making memories and leaving legacies. If you'd like to find out more about the charity, you can visit our website, which is swansongproject.co.uk. The service is free and it's available to anyone across the UK. Um, so if you or anyone you know would like to access our service, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, the podcast features songwriters. Um, this episode is the first episode I've ever recorded in person. We started the podcast during the lockdowns and the previously all been on Zoom. So this was a great pleasure to sit down in person with someone who's actually a big hero of mine and has been for a long time. Uh, this episode features Larry Love of the Alabama 3. And I hope you enjoy it. Okay, welcome to the Swan Song Project podcast. Uh, today I'm here with a big hero man, Mr. Larry Love from the Alabama Three. How you doing, Ben? Yeah, good. Thanks, man. Good to see you. This is uh, the first Swan Song podcast we've done in person. So, like now, you know, COVID's a bit past us. We can start doing stuff like this again. And it's great to have you as the first in-person guest. And Ben, you are in Brixton. I'm in Brixton. I've all the way down from Leeds, down to Brixton, yeah. to come and visit Larry. <laughs> you enjoying yourself? I am, I like Hospitality it. cool? Yeah, it's treating me well so far. Let's roll, brother. <laughs> yeah. uh, so if anyone new to the Swan Song Project podcast, every episode I have a different songwriter on, and we do it in three sections. So first, we're going to have one of Larry's songs. We're going to talk about how he wrote it. Uh, section two, I'm going to ask Larry for a songwriting tip. And then section three, we're going to talk about a song that's meaningful to Larry in some way related to bereavement. Uh, so which song of yours have you chosen to talk to us about that? Um, I'm sure any of your uh, listeners who are familiar with Alabama 3 are aware that my, uh, the Reverend D. Don't A.Y. Any Love uh, passed away about uh, two years ago. So um song I've chosen is a, a song which we consciously uh, made an effort with to make death somehow funky and uh, it's called night tripper in the trap house and it's off the new album called step 13. cool so we'll hear that now Nah, nah, it's a 
get back here now and get back in line She's the last one to come out on the street tonight I know that everybody's gonna be on my string, right? They're coming from the left in the center of town Ain't nobody come down here because they're getting down With my ladies and they're all strong, they're all willing to be So uh, that was Nat Tripper in the Trap House off the new album. It's a great, it's a great album. I love it. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying listening to it. And yeah, so a few, any, anyone who's been following Swanson for a while might know as well, we crossed paths a couple of years ago, just before D-Wayne died, didn't we? Uh, and the National Lottery arranged a big surprise thing where I was... Got yeah. on stage yes, ben, <laughs> it was bad enough. I was still a black. Yeah. The, pre- the, the prepping of that particular <laughs> night in Fibers was really different. I was still a black, and I don't know. <laughs> I had a load of ITV kind of uh, uh, bods kind of uh, tutoring me in uh, kind of the ce- celebratory moment. But yeah, it was good to see you doing really well, man. Uh, oh man, it was a it was a special night for me. Like. I've, anyone knows I've, I've told this a few times but like and I'll put the link for the video in the description if anyone's not seen it you can see me looking very surprised <laughs> again on stage with Larry um, but yeah I was told that my friend had got me a ticket to see them uh, I was just there I got them on the cameras were set up and I was like oh, cool the film is a gig I might be in the, in the audience of the next video and the next thing gets me on stage um, but anyway I'll put that as a side note 
Um, so yeah, what can you tell us about Night Tripper in the draft house? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, Jake, aka D Wayne, yeah, passed away, and uh, we were kind of somewhat disturbed and very, very, very upset. But we also had an, I think, an obligation um, to somehow represent what you know Jake would have wanted to happen from this scenario. And I'm sure that relates very much to kind of the the people you've been working with, the Swan Song project. It's kind of, you know, there is very much a, a need, there's a balm in music, which is really useful, whether that's kind of your favourite Chaz and Dave song, the end of your dad's cremation, or a song of, you know, White Cliffs of Dover from Granny, or to you know, Birds by Bob Marley, or something like that. Music is always uh, a very important part of, um, you know, funeral scenarios mm -hmm. and um, having the opportunity to uh, take that uh, well, it wasn't an opportunity, it was an obligation because we had a tour book to Jake died and we went, well, do we do it? Can we do it without him? Or, you know. Yeah. And, um, what was that decision like? Because like, he was, was, he was like a big, big part of the band. You know, like if some bands when a member dies and it's, you know, like the bass player in the background, mm -hmm. but like he was such a big part of the Alabama 3. Well, it was that big part, such a big part of the Alabama 3, that what we did within about, I think, a week of him being in the mortuary, we sent our harmonica player down, Nick Reynolds, who does death masks, to take a full cast of his face and hands, because we had this um, either stupid or beautiful idea to take him on tour with us as a yeah. sort of live mannequin. Um, so we very much, um, you know, I think grabbed it, by the bollocks, you know, excuse my French, in the sense of embracing that. And what was very interesting was that um, in the music we'd done prior to Jake's death, Jake had done a whole spiel about this language, don't cry for me as I lay dying, which at the time we went, well, that could be very useful for the new album if we're going to yeah. deal with this, you know. And step 13, the new album of the album was very much about us having to deal with him dying. Now we go about that. And I know we were speaking earlier about, um, um, to be honest, how important death is in rock and roll. It's in the 27 club or whatever you want to call it. You know, it's quite a pervasive kind of element. And, uh, and it's something that's got to be kind of, um, you know, as a band, we have to deal with. So... Yeah, basically, we kind of did a track, the last recording he ever did, and mixed it with a, a recording that was done about six months earlier. So there's two tracks which we compiled. One, the song starts with a kind of funky, there's a little peak bass line with some gospel samples on the top from Alan Lomax, where Jake was ranting about uh, selling drugs and women on the, on the front line. And then we switched it halfway through to the consequences of those decisions. Mm. And the song has that kind of um, mm. switch in it. I don't know if you want to um, just introduce uh, the wizard here. <laughs> Got third guest on this podcast. <laughs> Do you want to get on that wizard and just show the yeah. kind of so? So this this section here is this section here is taken from Jake's probably last recording. Don't cry for me, as I lay dying. Sound the bell three times, I'm coming home. Don't cry for me 
as I lay dying. Sound the bell three times, I'm coming home. Like, what would you do as a band <laughs> if or the lead singer had left you with that legacy? You that... know, he's got, he knows what he was doing, you yeah, know, sort yeah. of thing. And we kind of went, well, let's work with it, innit? Yeah. We also, um, quite um, weirdly embraced um, the moment of his, of his passing. There was four of us in the hospital bed when he passed, and the uh, piano player, Orlando, decided to record the sound of the life support machines being slowly turned off. <laughs> Which someone says pretty disturbing, <laughs> but with the amalgamation and the, the kind of uh, of the elements, we I think we we kind of gave him some dignity in that yeah. departure. And it's one thing where like you knew him so well, like you knew this would be something he'd, he'd appreciate, you don't you? Like totally. Yeah. His life support machines were in the key of G. I think <laughs> was that his favourite key? Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was. So there were, it was very much an amalgamation of you know these different elements, and also, like I said before, a kind of awareness in rock and roll. There are certain casualties. I mean, that doesn't necessarily apply to what you, you're talking about, the Swan Song Project, which is a different thing. But I would say Alabama Three have sucked full at the kind of font of you know uh, funerals. You know, yeah, yeah. First three letters of funeral are fun. You know. <laughs> Put some fun back into your bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, was that you were saying about so them two separate bits? And did you write new lyrics for this song, or was it all just stuff from that you found from what you recorded? Um, yeah, it was. I mean, I saw the night trip in the trap house. Basically, it's just it's a song about me and Jake being naughty on the wrong side of town, and then he ends up in hospital. So it all fitted the narrative, but um, yeah, it'd been kind of created before as a kind of um, uh, I think it was a little peak bass line and, and kind of trap beats and stuff like that. So we had it in the kind of uh, ether anyway, and then Jake departing as he did give us a perfect excuse to mix that with a uh, his last recordings as I lay dying, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was very fitting. Um, and how was the how's this album been? Like, was was a lot of it written before he died or? Um, not um, cut the cut the tracks were written before, but most of it was done during COVID, which again imbued the whole album with a sense of uh, what do we do with our intimations of mortality? You know, how do we deal with that? Particularly as musicians, you could either do the kind of grandstanding thing and get really sentimental and sad and stuff like that. I think having done enough funerals and being quite blessedly so, been invited to to participate in, you know, a person's, you know, last moment on this earth. You know, we did Ronnie Biggs' funeral, we did Bruce Reynolds, we did Bob Crow from R&T, we've done numerous, numerous funerals. You know, we thought it was it was quite, um, I thought, appropriate us doing, dealing with our, you know, D-Wayne dying and also the pandemic, the amount of deaths going on in care homes and stuff like that. There was yeah. a certain, definitely a certain resonance there. The last thing we wanted to do was to be a bit too self-indulgent about death, whatever else's parents and grandparents are dying. And, um, so 
you know, and I didn't, but I didn't want the album to be some maudlin. Yeah. This is the thing doing songs about death. You've got to, it's a fine line, you know what I'm yeah, saying, yeah, between yeah, the, the maudlin and the celebration. Which yeah. I think in the West, we kind of go too much for the maudlin, where yeah. you go to look at Mexico and it's like, you know, you're <laughs> jumping around having a laugh. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a thin line, isn't it? Of like, you're not wanting to disrespect or like, also, you know, downplay the significance of yeah, death yeah. and the grief, but you also want to try and celebrate the life. And you want to uplift it because, yeah, you know... Yeah, and, and that's what the person generally wants. Well, yeah, people yeah. don't generally say, like, oh, when I die, I want you to... You know, I want you to be really sad forever. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, you want you to well, celebrate this, the life and a good time. This, this is one very interesting so on some project and what you'll be doing, Ben, because I think there's always going to be that tension. Mm. You're going into a sort of care or a hospice or a horrible kind of situation. You're going to them in the middle of your grief now, focus on what Granny was happy about. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have to, to, and I really respect your kind of bravery to go, come on, let's make this funky. It's going to be, <laughs> Granny wouldn't have wanted it to be all like, you know, yeah. and that mixture between sentiment and kind of celebration is, is the, which which create, which, at the end of the day, you know, something very excited about talking to you, creates good music, that tension, because yeah. it's yeah. not, it's not the best premise to start a pop song, is it? <laughs> Granny's dying. Let's make it get in the top ten. You know? <laughs> but yeah, no, I hadn't thought of that before. But you're right. That is, and that, in all the music, whatever the tension makes such a, you know, it's those. And it's one of the things what I think I love about you guys. What I think a lot of people like is, is that you mix different styles. You know, so it's like it's not just you don't know what you're going to get. You know, it's not like oh, this is a a country song, and this is how country songs generally go. It's like you guys always have that. Yeah. mixture of different styles and similar like you, know, you can have musical styles mixing and themes mixing so like say the death and the celebration mm -hmm. and that's that is where interesting stuff comes mm -hmm. from isn't it yeah very much so i mean i mean i i sort of um, grew up uh, around abavan went to school in abavan you know and that whole area was just there was an Ab abavan uh, mining disaster and um the whole of the valley was just imbued with a certain, you know, there's 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 empty chairs missing in in the in the classroom where kids would have been, you know, my age who died with the landslide and that. So I've always had a kind of um, I don't know some twisted attraction or I don't know some my genetics, but I've I've always seen I've never feared death as a kind of um, spur to write. You know what I mean? Mm. And you know you, you, and unfortunately in rock and roll, unfortunately you know death from the Twenty Seven Club, Jim Morrison, you know Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, whatever. This there's a you know it's a fine line we walk, and you know the last thing Alabama you want to be is kind of stopping people doing rock and roll. Yeah, if they do go without giving them a good fucking party. Yeah, <laughs> and it's one of the things like you know you're saying there. There's so many musicians that die young and. Um, and it's going to collect with one song is that having their music live on, you know, yeah. like obviously Hendrix died a long, long time before I was born, but I feel like I know the man very well yeah. through listening to his music so much. So it feels like, you know, they and music lives, you know, as I said on that video before, as the songs live forever, don't they? So we listen to songs hundreds of years old, and it's like that person's still here in some way. And that, yeah, that, yeah, and you're right. And, and, and there's something about the crystallization of those sh short, you, you know, that small amount of time on planet Earth, which kind of gives their art, their work, a lot more kind of um, uh, strength, you know, 
Billie Holiday dying young, her your voice through the prism of knowing what she went through. You know, mm. when you're listening to it, you know that. Yeah. And that, and whatever people say, it does give it. You listen to Sid. You know, you know, Ian Curtis hung himself. When you listen to Closer or No Pleasures, you it gives it a bit more of a kick. You know, yeah. which is not. It wasn't easy on Joy Division or what came the order because it's very difficult for them to deal with. But nevertheless, it freezes in in time that person's art. Yeah. Over over years, their music can become almost a, sometimes a, a comfort to other people as well. Yeah. You yeah. know, the death is at 27, death is at 77, you know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's one of the things that, like, when people talk about sad songs, like, one of the things that I always love about it, so like, I'm a big Leonard Cohen fan, and lots of people talk about, you know, oh, Leonard Cohen's really depressing. And one of the things that I look like, at, lots of songs, they are really dark, and they talk about really, you know, yeah, really dark themes. But one of the things that I love about it is that then, you know, and it's similar with, you know, like, say, being Curtis and people like that, were like, you know, they've been to those dark places, but then they've made something beautiful out of it. They're, yeah. you know, like, hmm. and they've given a gift from, they've been to those dark places, and then they've thought, I'm not just going to dwell here. I'm going to do something productive with something beautiful. Yeah, and it's the same with Swan Song. That I say all the people I work with is like take such bravery to be in that situation, knowing that your life's coming to an end, and then think like, actually, I'm not going to just feel sorry for myself. I'm going to do something positive that yeah. I can give to the world. And then we will, the I will not go gentle into that good night. I will rage, rage against the dying of a light and play a loud fucking guitar. Yeah, <laughs> with a wawa as they enter those pearly gates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hi everyone, I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Sorry for the interruption. Just want to drop a quick note in here to say that the Swanson Project is a registered charity. If you're enjoying this podcast and you'd like to consider supporting us, uh, there are several ways you can donate through the website. It all goes towards supporting more people. Limited term allowances to write and record their original songs. If you'd also like to show your support um, for the podcast, we always appreciate any reviews you can leave us. Uh, you know, likes, shares, subscribes, all that kind of business. Um, it always really helps. Uh, so if you'd like to do any of that, it's really much appreciated. Hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. Um, one of the tracks I wanted to mention, ask you about in the new album is the closing track, which comes after Night Trip on, on the um, the Trap House, the uh, Somebody Somewhere, yeah. which is just a beautiful song. And it feels very much very fitting for the COVID times. I think that like... Oh, yeah, I mean... It's just, that one just really resonated with me. Yeah, thank you. I mean, that's very much... I mean, I didn't... Again... Um, the combination of Jake's departure, writing an album when the kind of uh, lead man's just died, and with COVID, I was very conscious going, we can't be having one of them. You know, I, I when I saw those um, superstars doing a combined consume called Imagine, oh. those <laughs> fucking twats in LA, and Madonna in her bath, yeah. and Rose going, we're all in this together. No, you're fucking yeah. not. You know, and I, I kind of... And I remember the first, I remember the first clapping we did for the NHS when I was coming up with the NHS and I really enjoyed it. It did turn into a bit of a Boris fucking clapathon, which excuse me. But seeing those frontline workers, you know, what they were doing then and the nurses and, and the, the sacrifices, you know, you know, so making care homes and hospitals and the doctors, you know, that bravery, you know, and then they got a 1% fucking pay rise at the end of the, I mean, and so yeah, I mean, yeah, somebody somewhere you were my ventilator breaks and every breath I take the oxygen takes poisonous and cruel. But yeah, that's very much a kind of but I didn't want to be too kind of obvious about, you know, like a cold play thing, oh I love nurses. I mean, I just that <laughs> I, I think there was a lot 
there was positive things that came out of COVID in terms of our social interaction. And I really hope that some of those sentiments remain strong now. When one was caring and loving each other, some support, you know, it's a bit of a, you can see now the establishment are quite quickly removing that sentimentality and turning into some brutal, as I say, you know, the pay rises are kind of, that was, that was really rude, you know what I mean? I thought that was a very disappointing yeah, yeah. kind of uh, end to the old, well, it's not ended, but, you know. But yeah, I mean, yeah, thanks for that. I mean, I, you know, oh, well, that was a tough song to write because yeah, I didn't yeah. want to be too... Yeah, you know, I think mean, you got the balance just right on that. And it's one of the, like, I don't know, there's something about... So it's the chorus, um, what's the first uh, line of it? Um, uh, that's that's when I, I want you with me. That's when I need you there. Yeah. That's where I want you to whisper in my ear and tell me somebody somewhere still cares. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, it's what you're involved in there's a it's not all about i mean i'm, I'm talking about alabama thesis yeah death's great and funky there's also that balance with again the sensitivity that you do not have to you do need to either metaphorically or physically put your arms around someone whispering in this and you're all right you know some you know covid threw up a kind of i think a need or a realization amongst us humans that we need to love and hug each other sometimes you know those horrible moments when in those care homes, you just see people, you know, suffering dementia just through the windows and not having that tactile kind of, yeah, yeah. or that whisper in their ear, you know. Yeah. Which is something that I think, I, I was thinking about a uh, Swanson project during that time, and how, how would you go around, kind of, did you find, did you find that problematic? Yeah. You tell me before you did Zoom call. Yeah, yeah. Oh, did some on the phone as well. I was yeah. like, you know, a lot of the people we work with, uh, of the older generation who, might not be tech savvy yeah um so yeah we did some over the phone which was challenging but you know you, you may do as best we can didn't yeah. We? You know, yeah. yeah but yeah i think that song that it's just it's where it just grabs one of those like real just you know that knowing somebody somewhere still cares like just yeah. you know, i don't know some yeah just capturing those little that sentiment and yeah it just felt very relevant at the but time, then it doesn't sound like cold play does it no it doesn't sound cold <laughs> <And> that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the beauty i think it's that there's something about like which I think Coldplay do a lot of the very general statements, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which then like it's like so it's nice. It's like oh well, sing along in the stadium, but it, like it doesn't really feel like it means anything. It feels like where something like that, like to whisper in my ear and know that someone still cares. It's like that's what you relate to that. What you're basically yeah. saying is that Coldplay within the stadium, I would be with you in Fibos in York, with <laughs> twelve people there. I'm not, you'll be able to hear my whisper because there's no fucking crowd. There's more than twelve there. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's great, man. It's yeah, it's great. Album. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess one of the I'm really interested in is how how writing this album was compared to previous albums in the in the light of D Wayne's passing, and what you how you feel about the Obama three songwriting going forward. Like, is it going to be very different? Are you going to use more of D Wayne's previous recordings, um, or like, have you thought much about that? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, like I said before, it's not we were aware that he was ill so it wasn't that surprising and also as well i know you know he's there was a massive fan of burroughs and mal davis and you know hendrix and all that so he wouldn't have wanted to kind of you know um, to be you know perpetually in 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 a maudlin state i mean i was quite interested in how new order dealt with ian curtis's departure they went totally popped a load of pills Ecky were Arthur went to New York and did, did you know acid house you know 
and the, you know, there's interviews in the now, but we just we did compute it at the time. And I think Alabama said we still haven't computed him dying, and yeah. we put him in a context of going to work with that. But what it's given us, and there's a there's a there's a real um, I think strange beauty about loss, particularly if it's a fellow musician. I mean, that sounds a bit poncy because it's saying that people not in a band uh, don't have the same sort of grief, but um, certainly don't want to, you know, perpetuate this kind of thing that all the songs are predicated on mm, yeah, his departure. Yeah, yeah. And and to be honest, Ben, D Wayne was campaigning in the arse sometime yeah. in the studio. He'd come in, I yeah, we pick mommy. I, I, I. <laughs> So, no, I mean, <laughs> so, and some would say there's a lot more harmony in the band at the moment because that Glaswegian <laughs> is drinking fucking mojitos with Elvis. So, um, yeah, I like I've that always. You said, I like that you said that as well. Like, that's, that's another one of the things where I think, like, it's a common misconception. Like, it's like, you know, everyone's perfect when they've died. Whereas, like, oh, it's, it's, not, it's not the case, <laughs> is it? And it's like, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, we were just well, we were discussing <laughs> earlier, weren't we? Can you do? A, can you? Can you write a beat a drill beef track for your granddad who hates <laughs> his neighbour down the road? You know, I think that should be accepted for the Swan Song project. There's a policy we've not decided that, that, upon yet. <laughs> those fucking parking restrictions kill me. You're... <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it'll happen at some yeah. point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I mean, I, as I say, when you order, you know. You move on, you kind of, you know, we could give up the ghost and do whatever, or or honor Jake's departure with, you know, keeping it rolling, you know, because yeah. that's what he'd have wanted. I mean, when the, I mean, the thing with Alabama say is we are members of the first Presbyterian Church of Elvis the Divine, which believes in divinity, so he's not really dead. I mean, you know, he comes, talks to me every night on the, the old dog and bone, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, still, uh, presence will still be felt, I'm sure, yeah. for a long time to come. Um, that's brilliant. That's really interesting, Larry. Uh, let's move on to section two now, shall we? So I ask, yeah. I ask my guests to share with us a songwriting tip um, that might be useful to, to other songwriters. So what would your, your tip be for us, Larry? My songwriting tip would be, and this does relate to um, the use of language, that if you're... I'm, I'm, my songwriting tip is just purely for lyric writers. Yeah. Right words don't we have a variety of what used to be able to be done on pen and paper we can now do on phones and um i think the great thing with technology and uh, the exchange of information very quickly is that you can be um you should always be listening to without being an eavesdropper to chaps on the back of the bus Mm. We're always those snippets of random conversations. Are, are, there was some, I think I was reading something about um, John Updike or something, but it was about where writers get inspiration from. But if you all the time keep your ears open, and, and if, if you don't have a phone, a pen and paper, you can you can hear phrases. You know, it might be on the radio. Always be attuned to that use of language from all kind of sides. You know, and yeah. make sure whether it's three and. I remember Bjork moaning about the fact she, she, she get these ideas come to the middle of the night, but she would force herself to get out and go. Or never underestimate um, what your imagination can bounce off from random mm. conversations with other people and write yeah. about it. And don't feel don't feel embarrassed to have a chat with someone. Go, 
one second, can I just write that down? They might go, what the fuck, you some fucking fed or something. You go, no, you just said out a beautiful lyricism to it, which in the end of the day, you don't, it kind of staves off the loneliness of being a writer. Yeah. If you, I mean, basically, at the end of the day, just go and sit in the fucking Weatherspoons in the corner and drink there all day and just fucking listen to what I was talking about. And there'll be some, there'll be some conversations there. You go, that is a, no, that's a yeah. chorus hook. That's a little start of a lyric there. Yeah, and the miniature of people's everyday existence is what fuels, um, you know, your artistic energy. That's a really good tip. I really like it. And it's it's something which, again, feels very relevant to what I do with Swan Song. Like, people often yeah. say, how do you write? And people say, like, oh, I've not anything to write about. I've not had interest in that. Like that. They start talking to them, and they'll say just... And so then my job is just, like, spotting those things. What you're saying, you're spotting with other people. It's like, then you're just telling people, like, what you said there, that's beautiful. That'd be a great lyric. Totally. And you know those beautiful thing if you do... Because I'm... I've had conversations with people going, they go, I'm not fucking interested in all I do. I'm a fucking, I'm a plaster or something. And, all, and I said, well, what, that consciousness is so important to me as a writer. Yeah. Because I don't, and it's not something I'm better than you, but I certainly don't want you, because you're a plaster or you're an electrician or you're a nurse or that, don't put me, I need that uh, interactivity. That's what makes yeah. good music. And to find those beautiful couplets will, does not often always come from sitting in your, you know, Hampstead mansion with Chris Martin, <laughs> worrying about yeah. kind of his Gwyneth goop fucking <laughs> vaginal cream any good for his hair loss. You need to get out and about and deal with, and, you know, and to be have an arena where, which you're going into where people are, grieving for their loved ones or whatever. And I think to be in a situation, you encourage them to go, what, so Uncle Bernie was, you know, did I played football back in 55? That's the start of a song then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played football back in 55 and Nobby Styles, all that kind of shit. You know, yeah. those songs make, the, you know, Country Western is a great example of what you can do with what people think of very small details become grand gestures yeah as opposed to cold beer which is grand gestures <laughs> <laughs> and again it's what we're going back to with somebody somewhere still cares it's that like yeah. you know it's just it's just what people say and it's things that relate it's real details real lives real stories yeah. and then it makes it accessible to other people yeah isn't it? yeah one of the things that i was thinking what you guys do really well as well is like you so you get that from real people but you do you do a lot of sampling of of lyrics and stuff for previous songs don't yeah. you um, yeah so i guess that's another avenue of doing that is listening to all tracks and I'm taking them from there. Yeah, or t or totally. I mean, at the same time, um, Alabama, so we very much avail ourselves of um, the recordings of a fellow called Alan Lomax, mm. who was um, sent out by uh, Franklin Roosevelt to um, to record all stuff in America, all folk kind of formats in America. And um, that's just been released about the last 10 years for public kind of consumption. But the, the kind of uh, opportunities in those recordings to to remix them and to reapply them to a different context is good, you know. Yeah. And one has to look backwards and forwards and left, right, and centre for kind of little trigger. End of the day, kids, it's triggers. You know, keep yourself surrounded by triggers. Yeah. As long as no one pulls it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. How often do you write? Are you always writing, or do you have phases where you're like, I'm going to sit down and write some songs now? Do you write a bit all the time? Or? Um. I write all the time. I mean, it's a twenty-four hour job. I think if you if you're serious about lyric writing, you know, music, you know, 
you have to have your antennae open 24 7. I don't understand musicians who are going, right, I'm, I'm just going on holiday now. I'm having a break. It's like, there's no break. Yeah. There's no break, really, if you're a writer. You know, you should always be. I know it's exhausting. When I ate it, it's like a wormhole. This worm goes in there and you're just wriggling around for ages until you kind of feed it some rotten cabbage. But, you know, it's, um, it's, it's never a. One should, one should always like look to every aspect of life, both bad and good for you know, inspiration and embrace yeah. it all. Yeah. And if you are responsible as a writer and you believe that you have some gift or whatever, and then take that seriously, you know, don't don't do too many drugs, don't drink too much, don't fucking you know, take your job seriously, you know. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. And um you do like so you do album three, but you do some other collaborations as well. Um how do you find like so are you so you do uh, O'Connell and Love, which you've yeah. got a new album out as well. Uh, Brendan O'Connell's also done yeah. this one song podcast. Let's go back and listen to that one. Mm. Um, All right, Brendan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, do you, are you just always writing and then it's like some things come out for Alabama 3 songs, some things go uh, O'Connell Love, some things go, and we're going to talk about one of your solo albums in a minute as well. Um, or do you feel like when you're writing, do you know like this is going to be an Alabama 3 piece? This is going to be something different. Huh? Yeah, it's quite interesting you saying that because Alabama 3 said Nick Reynolds, the harmonica player, son of Bruce Reynolds, was moaning one a couple of years back going, you fucking also, you give all your best lyrics to O'Connor and Love. I'm like, Nick, I'm not going around compartmentalising like that stuff for that. For, no, I, and you don't know, do you? Like, you don't, or do you, you feel like you know when you've got a well, good lyric or um, a good song? Or is it, I, I don't know, I'm always paranoid. Uh, you know, Wizard would tell you he was pressing them buttons before that I'm, I'm yeah so come across as narcissistic and arrogant but you see me walk out of that microphone booth there and I'm a man in, in terror self-loathing yeah. I never know yeah so literally turn that volume put some auto tune on it works <laughs> when in doubt get the wisdom of the auto tune on but yeah I mean yeah it's it's, it's you know I mean I suppose I listen to from country western to kind of you know, drill and everything in between. So, once, but apparently I'm too old now to do drill. A wizard says I just do dad rap. Very badly. <laughs> I, like, I like, you know, like, well, dad, dad bods have become a real thing, out there. I just I keep, I keep seeing dad hats advertised now. So, dad rap might be the next one. <laughs> Your rock dad rap. <laughs> I like it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? I always like I don't know, I've heard lots of musicians talk about those kind of things of like never you know, like the the song was the biggest hit they like they almost didn't put on the album and things like that. It's like it's so hard to judge until yeah. and it's like because I guess it's not you're not the judge of it, it's the audiences that judge of it. Like, and I guess it depends how you Oh yeah, totally. I mean it's kind of um I mean I you know, I'm lucky enough to have a certain number of platforms that which to kind of you know develop ideas and that, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think these days as well. I mean, all the all the youngers I know musicians, all all of them are in about five or six different bands. Mm -hmm. What's really good with um, social media, internet, Spotify, whatever you want to call it, youngsters are learning such a wide variety of styles from an early age. Yeah, which is really so that you can have, they'll be playing fucking. Buzzsaw kind of Kurt Cobain guitars, and then they'll be listening to kind of you know 
some trap music or something, doing the same kind of shit. And that's what's kind of good at the moment, the breakdown in genres and styles, which, yeah. you know, youngsters are, are don't seem to have the blinkered kind of compartments we had yeah. back in the day, you know? And I imagine the, like, just you saying that then, the amount of how young they're raised on music technology now as well, and being able to use, like, I can't use, I can, you know, I can do very, very basic editing. Mm. But, like, I bet most, most musicians now are raised on doing that. So, the, you know, the kind of stuff you guys do, if you want to sample in and, moving tracks around like so the music's just gonna i say i mean i'm you know, not that old but like when i started it was very much just basic guitar yeah. like, if i could get a cheap microphone in the middle of the room i'd be happy yeah but like i bet most musicians in schools now are way way more fluent in music tech stuff yeah well i think i mean yeah you know like my son's 12 he can play like them little pads and make a trap beat on that one you know what i mean and yeah, yeah. i've it's quite interesting while guitar players are getting a bit sidelined now because, like, you know, all the drum machines are coming up. But I think that'll balance out a bit. And I mean, I'm really, I'm really excited about what young people yeah. do music-wise now. You know, in terms of taking on board those different styles and, and making them work. I'm being yeah. proud of going, yeah, I'm in a jazz band, then I'm in a punk band, then I'm in a rig band, then I'm in, you know, without devaluing yeah, yeah. thing as a musician. I think a lot of the roles we have as musicians are predicated by the industry anyway going well you're in that sort of band don't do that sort of stuff yeah you know? and it's one of the things that why why i fell up with you guys is that it felt like you guys kind of didn't play by that rule at all it felt like you know at first you guys were like gee what's this is the other well yeah that, that... and that that kind of I guess one of the things having the balls to do that and i don't know yeah it's something what and i think... realizing that, that having the balls to do that meant we would going nowhere high to Britpop, pop <laughs> alabama three decide fuck the uk and union jack so i know that on guitars we're gonna pretend we're american <laughs> of course it was alabama three mixed country mess and me techno yeah so the enemy was one out of ten a universal waste of time never forget that it was so sad <laughs> when was that I don't know, it's yeah. for our review for the second album, The Pest. Oh, oh, no, monumental waste of time, one out of ten. <laughs> oh, jeez, don't know what they're talking about. Who's standing now, <laughs> motherfucker? <laughs> yeah, well, that's like a good point to switch into section three of the podcast. <laughs> this is, uh, I asked my guest to share with us a song that's meaningful to them in some way relating to bereavement. So obviously we've been talking about bereavement quite a lot during this podcast already. Um, but I'll ask you to choose a particular song that means something to you. So which song have you chosen for us, though? Um, it's a song off my first solo album, um, called, of, it's called Ghost Flight, in the track of My Dying Bed. And it was, uh, the first lyric is, she lay like Billie Holiday, flowers at her head and at her feet, the lamplight through the shadows back to the dark end of the street. The minister was mumbling, I swear, I saw that preacher smile. She's coming through the ether to me, talking and walking in the light. And she said to me, dance around me, dance around my dying bed. Will you ghost gonna come up close and lay your sweet hands upon my head? And uh, that was probably the first time I'd addressed kind of mortality, but there was a beautiful photo of um, Billie Holiday, an open cast kind of funeral. She looked absolutely gorgeous, you know, and that kind of really resonated. I was also listening to Van Morrison's TV sheets and times going around, she coming to the ether, comes to the ether, you know, but, um. Yeah, and uh, my brother-in-law at the time had, had hung himself in Cardiff Central Park. And uh, it was kind of a way of writing through that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a powerful song. And that was that was like 15 years ago, wasn't it, that one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've been long yeah. drenched <laughs> in the uh, glamour of death. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, yeah. But it's, again, hopefully it's not... Um, 
it's not navel gazing kind of yeah no and again it's what we've kind of talked about a lot is it's you know like dance around my dying bed it's, yeah it's it's the same message you've been talking about isn't it of like yeah, yeah, yeah. We in the we in the West, the so-called civilized West, or whatever. We don't. We, there should be more weeping and wading and making a noise, banging pans and jumping up and down and kind of, you know. Which I think, and I think the Swan Song Project. I'm so excited before. I'm really. This is probably one of the most exciting interviews I've done, and I mean that because you know, I'm I'm drenched in death, and you know, death stalks a disco. <laughs> there was a disco in that fucking. You know, there was a dance floor in the fucking in the cemetery. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, thank you for saying that, man. It's, yeah, it's like it's so interesting having these conversations with people. And like you say, it's just people don't have these conversations enough. And I think there's, like I say, the music just makes it. I don't know. I think it makes it palatable for a lot of people. I think a lot of people have to just. I mean, like, because people probably listen to podcasts for you in anyway, but like, most of the time people like, might not want to listen to podcasts about death on itself, but it's like, oh, I want to hear a bit about songwriting as well. It's kind of like, yeah, it makes it a bit more accessible for people. Mm. And, and I think the more the more conversations like this, the more comfortable people get having them and sharing their own experiences, and people will relate to the stuff you've talked about today. Um, well, yeah, I mean, because you have, you have the option, you can have the C of E option, which is all kind of traditional. You know, nothing like the Catholics, the Church of England, anything like that, that, but that uptight, kind of very stentorian, boring, fucking, you know, we're all going to listen to, you know, the ones. Whereas what I think Swan Song Project, what you're doing in terms of actively getting involved with the relatives around there and constructing a narrative and a kind of hooks around mm. the, you know, imminently departing, you know, persons, that's going to make. You know, it, I can imagine it can be quite tough. You going, going let's make a kind of <laughs> song about this. I mean, I hope you know, are people finding that you know useful, or you getting some dirty looks of? You, you still get. I mean, you get. Do you find there's prejudice? Some people that you're devaluing the grief process. No, I've not. To be honest, I thought I would. Like when I, I had the idea, and it was like maybe a year before I like moved on it, because I was like, because I was sure that was sure like, oh, there's gonna be a reason why people, what people won't do this. People find defensive in some way mm. and like that. And I thought, well, I'll see how it goes. And I've not really had any um, negative backlash from it. Um, like I say it's not for everyone. Some people, you know, obviously, and like what I, what I like with most of it is people who think they're not creative and like, oh, you know, people. If I get some people are like. I love music, but I, I've never been. I'm not, yeah, I love them because they're the most creative ones. They've yeah. got those snippets, you know, they've been writing in those yeah. fucking books. <laughs> and again, sometimes it just takes that little bit of confidence boosting. And I'm like, you know, like like we were saying earlier, like they'll say something, you're like, that's that's, that's, that's the one, isn't that. it? Uh, that would make a really good chorus. And like, would it? And you're like, it would, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, oh, so it just kind of gives them that boost mm. of like, yeah, actually, maybe maybe I can do this. And then, then when, when they finish the song, then that's, that's, that's the biggest joy, really, is when you. And I'm yeah. sure you can imagine there's nothing more unifying than a kind of a music, a shared ownership of a musical project, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. To get yeah. them involved. There's a song I did with a, a member of Alabama 3, Reverend B. Atwell, but his mum sadly passed during COVID and stuff, but she'd done some recording on it of a, how, you know, the song, How Great Thou Art. But we did a recording on an album, an acoustic album, and B said, I want that song played at a funeral in West Norwood Creme. Then the fuck, everyone, I mean, they didn't give shit about it. When that come on there, and she was singing, <laughs> going, oh, great. Because I had recorded it. Yeah. Everyone was just like half laughing, half crying. It was amazing, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And let's push, you know, let's put, with music, it will push you. 
happiness and push your sadness. I mean, the two of them together are quite confusing, isn't it? Yeah, the yeah. emotions you're dragging up are very confusing. You've got yeah. you know, foot tapping <laughs> or a ballad or whatever. It's going to be confusing. But I'd, I'd really you know, appreciate and respect what you're doing in terms of drag. You know, I do think you, you're a wise man to the fact that you know that's where the cold face of good music is, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, you're you just going around. <laughs> That's and a book, some cemetery stalker. I'm gonna write a song, shall I write a song about your granny? <laughs> but you're not doing that, you man. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the things I find still find it weird. Like sometimes I find it hard getting complimented about it because, like, yeah, because like you, you are. <laughs> and it's one of the things where, like, because obviously, like, it's good for the people who do it. But for me, like, I, I find it fascinating. It's weird, like for me, like, I find writing my own songs boring now. I've kind of got, I'm yeah, kind of bored with myself. I'm more interested in writing songs for people. You are the vessel, the conduit. And you are it. the it's, filter. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I love now. I love hearing different people's stories and and helping them shape something. Um, well, that relates to what I was saying before about any songwriting tips that you are you getting used now to taking any little snippets and you turn that into a, you can take those little one line and that could become a song, you know. Yeah. And in terms of, as you say, grieving relatives going, oh, I've got nothing in me, stuff like that, and they just give you one story about, oh, I was in the playground when I was five driving a red motor car or something, or a red, yeah. you know what I mean? Those little and things, those, those things, little yeah. intimate deals. Make make the track happen, you know. And it's like you're saying then about the the humor in them. That's one of the levels when people people and people seem to love that. Like, oh, like, we'll put something that's a little funny story or like a little in joke. Yeah, man. That's what, I, I love the in jokes. If someone says like, oh, you know, we had this thing where like we just would say this every now and then, and it really cracks. So when you put it in, and someone's like, oh, but it won't make sense to anyone else. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I play that yeah. for someone and say, what's that mean? It doesn't matter if it means if the people who it's in, who the song's written for, they get it and it makes them laugh and they're like, oh, that's exactly it. That's. And have you got over that? Are you kind of a lot more, not blase, but a bit more kind of confident in terms of going, don't worry about it not being, it should be funny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you yeah. Tell them, and also, there's nothing wrong with humour in the Middle East. Yeah, nothing wrong with when, it. When Danny was nine, he fell off the tree, waiting in the river because he'd been drinking, I brew with his sister. And all, you know. That's it. The more of that stuff, the better. Yeah. And same with like, you were talking about um, there with your, your friend's mum and like the, recording people's voices so like i always encourage people i would like, obviously not going to make anyone sing but i always encourage people to do it no matter how, what their voice is like and someone's like oh i'm not a very good singer it's like it doesn't matter like for your, oh, every, for your kids yeah. to hear your voice even if it's even if it's you know not technically a, a great vocal yeah, performance then like that's so important so, yeah. i mean go reference what i said about alan lomax before he was recording lots of folk idioms what you're involved in what you're so involved in that's that's recording folk idioms you know what i mean because there's the emotionally charged atmosphere in a, in a fucking an hospice or whatever, or it's gonna be people's voices are gonna be, you know, fucking peak or the or the depths of kind of something, which is gonna sound wicked on a sample ten years later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When you, you're doing Christmas you ten do years it. later, and you press that, you're like, oh god, oh, that's the fucking that's what rolls. That's it. Uh, yeah, we'll have, a, have an Alabama three swan song album in like ten years or so. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Um, I really appreciate all the kind of things you said about Swan Song and uh, the support. And as I said, I've been a big fan for a long time, so it's it's great to, to talk song right with you. Thanks for coming on. Let's put the fun back into funerals. <laughs> Swan Song. Larry Love from Alabama 3, ladies and gentlemen. And check out the new album, Step 13. Uh, it's brilliant. And check out the previous albums if you've not heard them, because they're great as well. And uh, thanks for tuning in. I'll be back with another episode soon.